Grace and peace. Welcome to worship. I am glad that you are here on this first Sunday of the season of Advent. Let us pray. Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and to put on the armor of light now in this time of mortal life in which your Son, Jesus Christ, came to us in great humility so that on the last day, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal through him who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Welcome to Advent, a season the church celebrates and the world does not. The television and newspapers and advertising all say, as soon as that Thanksgiving feast is over and you hadn't even gotten the leftovers in the refrigerator, they say it's Christmas. So get with it, go out and, or go online and buy stuff. Well, the church celebrates Advent. It's a time of waiting, a time of preparing. Advent is the season of the church year that anticipates arrival, the arrival of the baby Jesus that we celebrate with trees and decorations and special events and by giving each other presents and some by giving themselves even bigger presents. <laughs> the arrival of the baby Jesus Emmanuel, God with us, and also the second coming of Christ we look forward to. The season of Advent celebrates the mystery of God's kingdom. Already here, but not yet. Over the next five Sundays or so, you could say that we'll be taking a, a path to Bethlehem, stopping at some landmarks described, especially by the prophet Isaiah, as well as today the Apostle Paul and later James and Matthew. But first, let us pray for illumination. O God of our people and Lord of every nation, let your word ring out from the mountains and your spirit come forth in the earth so that all may hear your teaching and all may do your will. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Listen now for the word of God as found in the second chapter of Isaiah. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills all nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, he shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. 
Nation shall not lift up the sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come let us walk in the light of the Lord. And turning to Paul's book, Letter to the Romans, the 13th chapter. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now. The moment for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In my work as a psychologist for the state, I met some people who had what I'd call a, a different take on the English language, a way of speaking that did not quite fit the uh, syntax and semantics I learned at home and at school, or at church for that matter. For example, one fellow asked me a question I didn't quite know how to answer. He said, do you want us to go ahead or to go ahead and wait. <laughs> hmm. Well, the five verses we read from the second chapter of Isaiah tell us what to hope for, what to look for as we wait. And in Romans, Paul tells us how to wait. In the five verses we read from Isaiah, we're told four things. First, that Mount Zion and the temple will be reestablished as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. Second, we learn that all the nations will stream to it, not just the children of Israel, the folks of Judah, all the nations. And do you remember what God had promised Abraham back in 12th chapter of Genesis? God said to Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed because of you. That covenant with Abraham was not just for his descendants, but all, all people. The third thing we learned is that God will teach us his ways and that we will walk in his paths. The Hebrew word there used is Torah, which often gets translated law, but it really has to do with instructions on how to live. And the fourth thing we learn is that in days to come, nations shall beat their swords and the plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, nor learn war anymore. I have, uh, in our back porch, I have the, the large, heavy anvil at Betty's dad, one of several, he had in his, his workshop on the farm. And several times I've uh, talked about maybe bringing it here and before we spread the poinsettias all over, 
and having a big hammer, like that sledgehammer I keep in the closet. <laughs> I try not to split wood much these days, but but to bang that anvil with a sledgehammer. You know, at Christmas we think of little bitty bells and tinkling bells and that kind of thing at Christmas, but what Isaiah tells us is that the sound is not the little tinkle of a little bell, but the banging on the anvil, beating weapons of war into gardening implements so that there would be no war in God's coming kingdom. The future won't be war, but peace. Do you know how many people were killed in war in the 20th century? I tried to look that up, and there are a number of different estimates. One of the more reliable ones said the death toll was at least 100 million. A hundred, and some of the others were much higher estimates than that. But if you just say that hundred million people in wars in, in the 20th century, that's an average of 3,500 people a day who lost their lives in wars. Well, speaking through Isaiah, God tells us that in the future, God's kingdom, that the earth will not be a battleground, <coughs> but a fertile garden. Well, in our, our skeptical and cynical times, you could think, well, that's just what Isaiah says. <laughs> what if he got it wrong? Well, consider what Micah says. Micah says, a prophet later on in the, in the Old Testament, in the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised up above the hills. People shall stream to it, and many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem he shall judge between many peoples and shall arbitrate between strong nations far away. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up the sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. But they shall sit under their own vines and under their own fig trees, and no one will make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. It was such an important message, we get the same message twice. With both prophets, Isaiah and Micah, peace does not just arrive. You see, first they said, first we have to learn God's laws and walk in God's way. And then trusting in God, only then can we be, get to the point where we could destroy weapons of war. Nobody wise would suggest doing that now while there's danger. But one day, then we will be able to walk in the light of the Lord and celebrate God's kingdom, a kingdom that is not here yet. That promise 
of nations and peace has not been fulfilled yet. But in sometimes in huge ways, sometimes in small ways, God's kingdom breaks through even today. Sometimes it's in case of someone being nice that you had no reason to expect that they would be so nice to you or to someone you know. Sometimes it's in your own heart finding a way to show someone grace or mercy that they didn't deserve and they didn't ask for, but something in you moved them to be kind. And so we wait and we work for the fulfillment of, of the promise of a coming time when we'll study war no war and we'll walk in the light of the Lord. Well, our passage from Romans 13 reminds us of the time. He says, besides this, you know what time it is. Now is the moment for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us than when we became believers. The night is far gone. The day is near. And Paul tells us what we need to do. Let us lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day. Or as Sharon taught us in Sunday school, be prepared, be ready. So what are the works of darkness that you and I need to lay aside? How is it you and I will put on the armor of light? How are you and I gonna open ourselves to the radical transformation that we need so that we can truly walk in the light of the Lord? You remember that unusual question my client asked me, the one who said, you want us to go ahead or you want us to go ahead and wait? It turns out that the Advent message from the prophet Isaiah and from the apostle Paul is for us to go ahead and wait to do both. Thanks be to God. You are witnesses of our Lord Jesus Christ who rose from the dead, who sits at the hand of God in glory, who sends the Holy Spirit to empower us for service in his name. So don't just wait. Go ahead and wait. Now may the grace of, the God, of God the Father bless you with peace. May the love of Jesus Christ sustain you in joy. And may the power of the Holy Spirit fill you with courage this day and evermore.